0: Bill took us through uh, six through eight, Psalm nine, a psalm in David. To this says to the chief musician, to the tune of the death of a son. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that song was because David did have sons that died, and I don't know why he'd want to reuse that tune <laughs> because it would seem like to me it would remind me. But at any rate, we don't know that tune. What we do know is this: verses one through five. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne, judging in righteousness. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. A rather intense intense thing to begin with, and uh, we're going to go through some of that through the rest of the Psalms when we talk about uh, David's and the other psalmist purpose in this. But for all David's weaknesses and failures, and my friends, he had them, did he not? Uh, he was certainly a full-throttle guy, full-throttle. He, he, his, he, his failures are open for everyone to see, but so is his passion for God. You know, now all of us would probably, those of us that love Jesus and are somewhat excited about him would love for everyone to see how good our passion is. I don't think that we're that excited to have people see our weaknesses, are we? And I don't think we need to flaunt our weaknesses or spend all our time talking about them. But if you're always hiding them and afraid of those being exposed, you probably live in a lot of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We're all sinners saved by grace. That's an easy thing to say. It's a little harder to live out. Let's not let it be just at special meetings for AA or other recovery groups is the only place people can go to pour out their heart to other people and say, I'm really struggling and weak. You know, what the people that go to those meetings tend to say is, is this is the only place you can go where people will understand you and accept you. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. But I don't buy it if, if we do what we need to do is embrace each other, be honest about our weaknesses, and deal with each other with integrity and not just play the game of church. And I'm not accusing anybody here of doing that. I'm saying, God help us. Fair enough? So anyway, uh, he's, David, for all his passion shows, I will right now, He talks about what he's going to do now. He talks about the past to God. You have and the future. You will in the future. And then the next few few Psalms, we'll see his cry out for God's righteous judgment on the wicked. And as we mentioned in the first week in Psalm 9, 19 through 20, right here, the next part we'll read of it, the reason given for the call for judgment on the unrighteous these imprecatory or cursing type prayers that you would think, this has no place in my life. Well, let's find out what place, how we're to look at it today. He says these words in Psalm 9, 19 through 20 Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, be but men. Say law. Man, in the light of the true living God, I, Light was cast over all the idol worship of David's day and the false gods that are no less real today. Though we don't bow down to statues and images, we, uh, in our minds, humans tend to worship idols. And David is crying out that God would stop the evil that comes with that. You know, the, the, the nations that were displaced for Israel to be there were offering their children on hot incandescent burning metal on top of a stone statue and burning their babies, etc. cetera. So I won't go into the whole, you know that whole story, many of you do. If you don't, we'll, we'll explain it to you, that the reason those nations were cast out was because of the wickedness was so evil they were destroying their own children. <laughs> so do the peoples and the nations need to know themselves to be but men, that they might know themselves to be but men? Do people need to know that? People need to know that all you, it's a wonderful thing to be created in God's image after his likeness. Uh, humans are special creation. We were made specific and special by God. I know dolphins are special. I mean, they're cool. Uh, the animal kingdom is incredible. But if you can't see the uniqueness of your humanity, it's because you refuse to. Because when you face the moral issue of your inner person, you know there's something different than you and a dolphin. No matter how intelligent they are is not the point. They are very intelligent. They were created wonderfully. This is not a commercial for Flipper. (laughs) Nonetheless, um, the nations need to know themselves to be but men. Now, Psalm 10 through 14 says, yes, they do, and there's three things that the psalmists, and it's four, uh, you know, three of them are David and the other one are, uh, uh, one of them's not David, it's not, it's one of the orphan psalms, we don't know who wrote it. But it, I'll just say his or their because I'll get mixed up. But it's his complaint, number one, his complaint against the wicked, number two, his complaint about God's apparent non-response, and number three, his final conclusion about God's righteous judgment. So number one, the psalmist's complaint about against the wicked. This is not an exhaustive list. You can read Psalms 10 through 14, and here's what you'll find in them about his complaint. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you these. They persecute the poor. They boast proudly. They say, I shall not be moved. I will never be in adversity. Uh, They don't seek God. God is in none of their thoughts. The wicked say, God has forgotten and will not require an accounting of my evil behavior. He prays upon the innocent and the poor. In 12 through 14, Psalm 12 through 14, that was just from uh, 10 and 11, the wicked bend their bow against the righteous. They speak idly with flattering lips and a double heart. In Psalm twelve four, I think we have this, who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us? My goodness, does that match where we might be right now? Where any culture can get to. And, uh, you know, I shall not, uh, not that, I shall, our lips are our own. With our tongue we'll prevail. We're going to talk over you. We're going to use words to do, get what we want. Who's Lord over us? We can say anything we want. I can say whatever I want. I'm a real man. I can, I can say whatever I want. That does not show a person to be a real man or a bold woman. That shows a person to be out of control without boundaries. Saying whatever you want is not the goal of life for a healthy person. For a healthy person, is to have control over what comes out of your mouth. That's, that's strength to have control. Not to say, I just say what I think. That's a great weakness. And shows a great weakness in the inner person, and people struggle because of that. They also cause a lot of pain outside of themselves. So I say whatever I want. The wicked prowl on every side, and they exalt violence. And then in Psalm 14, 1 through 3, famously, Psalm 14, 1 through 3, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done a bond. This is God talking about that fool. They are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there is none who does good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside, they have together become corrupt, there is none who does good, no, not one. Quoted in Romans 3, and in Romans 3, Paul is concluding, telling us that God concludes all of us, it's not us versus them, my friends, we're not here doing the us versus them meeting. It's us all in light of God's reality and purity. We're all concluded to be under sin is where that verse has taken us. Did you know that? Romans 3. Check it out. So in Psalm 10 through 14, we've noted the boasting of the wicked, but we also see not only the psalmist's complaint against the wicked, but number two, the psalmist's complaint to God about his response or lack thereof to the wicked and their treatment of the righteous. Psalm 10.1, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Psalm 13.1 and 2, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? Can anybody relate <laughs> to what he's saying here? Anybody at all? His first thought is, How are these guys getting away with? And who hasn't said to God, Why? Who hasn't said to God, How long, O oh Lord? Who hasn't said to God, Don't you care? They did. The storm was raging. And they were seasoned fishermen, had been on that lake all their life, and Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And the storm is raging, and they come to wake him up, and they say, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? Who hasn't said that? Can you hidden his face from you? But when we feel distant from God, and it's not directly due to our own sin, something that we specifically have done, but we are overwhelmed by circumstances, that's, reality is not catching up with us. We're away from reality. Now, first of all, if you do something that makes God unhappy and he wants to correct you, he will not just give you a general sense of distance and doom. And when you ask him, what's wrong, Lord? I'm not going to tell you. You have to figure out. You don't know what you did? I'll just wait till you figure it out, like a parent sometimes does. God only convicts you. When he does tell you, if you will, through, uh, I decided to use this today just for nostalgia's sake, and I can see why people don't. Um, so... Uh, when God is wanting to get your attention and correct you, he will let you know what you did wrong. He, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, not just, not just say to you, um, Jeff, you sinned, and I'm, and I'm keeping you at a distance from me, and not even that he does that, but let's just say it that way. Okay? And I'm keeping you, and Jeff says, well, Lord, what did I do? Figured it out. That's not God. Just feel distant from me and don't know why and don't know what to do about it. That's not God. God convicts you of specific sin and says what you did was wrong and I want you to repent. Turn around, come towards me. I will cleanse you of that sin and I will strengthen you. Come and be near me. Don't keep walking that way. God does not turn his back on you so that you will feel guilty and distant without hope or purpose, and not know what's wrong. That's not God. The enemy brings condemnation. You sin, and he might say, "Yeah, you did this." It meaning that you'll sense that flow of wickedness and of the enemy, Satan's general flow not he personally sits on your shoulder, but you will sense. That spiritual direction that says, "Yeah, you do that all the time, you're always a failure. you might as well give up. That's the condemnation of the devil. Pride first, usually, I'm really great, and then you <laughs> face some failure and then, and then you feel even more even more worse. <laughs> no wait, more worser. <laughs> so God doesn't do that to you. you know, don't you care? He's not hiding his face but circumstances will overwhelm us and make us misunderstand reality. Uh, The deception of emotion is such an obvious thing, but it's only obvious once you've learned it. Condemnation versus conviction. Conviction draws you, yes, it's wrong, but come to me and let's cleanse this. And and so he says, but how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? And it reminded me as I was reading that, wow. You know, in, in Genesis 8, 1, it says in the story of Noah, as the boat is floating and the waters receding, it says, Then God remembered Noah. Now, some people would take that to, they'd say, How could you forget him? I mean, like, you just flooded the whole earth. You told him to make a boat. He did it for 120 years, and he's floating on the, he's the only thing alive floating there except for fish in the water, and you're, 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 what, what, you're, you're, what are you doing? You know, how could you forget? Well, when it says the Lord remembered, it simply means God did not forget. You know, God did not forget Noah. He remembered. And in, in Exodus 3, 7 through 8a, meaning the first part, uh, when the Lord comes to Moses uh, and, and calls him through the burning bush, he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. Because of come down to deliver them. You know, the Lord did know, and yet he also is the one that told Abraham they'd be in bondage 400 years. Now, if you're raising a kid in Egypt and you know that story, which most of them knew the story, how did we get the story if the people that were in Egypt didn't pass the story on from Abraham? Okay. It didn't happen over here, and then these people are here without the word, it was verbal passed down, but they had the story. Not every person passed it on well to their children, right? But it was passed on. Joseph said, you got to take my bones when you leave because you're leaving here because I know God's going to deliver us to take us to the promised land that he told Abraham about. So it's all known. In fact, they had Joseph, they took Joseph's bones with them when they left, which means they had them safely kept somewhere. And And then when people would say, what is that over there wherever they kept Joseph's bones if they had a shrine or whatever and he was is this like that's the bones of Joseph who made Pharaoh great God used him and God told uh, his forefather Abraham we'd be here for for 400 years and that when he said he we're leaving and when we leave he wants us to take his he wanted us to take his bones and bury him in the land that we're going to Now that's a hard sell to somebody who lives their whole life in bondage right as a slave, uh, is is no truth. We're just slaves because God forsook us, and there's no hope in this life at all. No, there is hope, because their faith was in the God that if he would take them to a land later, he will also take me to be with him forever. And you can chew on that if that's hard for you, I get it, but um, it's not going to change to fit our emotion. That won't help us. <laughs> so God remembers. So Have you noticed this when the believer in Jesus Christ pulling to the New Testament or Old Testament even, the believer in Jehovah, Jesus being the fulfillment of all that Jehovah was doing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that when the believer is walking in unbelief of God's word, caught up in doubt and fear and anger? I'm going to say that again so you know where I'm going, okay? Have you noticed that when a believer like you or me is walking in unbelief in God's Word, caught up in doubt and fear and anger, he or she sounds and acts a lot like a non-believer? Look at what the wicked say in Psalm 1011 who say, God has forgotten, he hides his face, he will never see. What did the psalmist complain? Why are you hiding your face from me? He was actually agreeing with the wicked. Are you catching this? We're not beating ourselves up. If I get a little loud, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. I'm excited because there's truth to break the chains of our doubts and fears, to understand where they're coming from. When the believer acts and thinks like a non believer, when a believer thinks like a non believer, is walking in doubt of God's power like a non believer. Doesn't mean you're unsaved, doesn't mean you've lost it. It just means your behavior and your thought processes are in the human. And this is, I think, intended to shake us up a little bit. When the psalmist's complaint about the wicked and God's response is so much like what the wicked are they themselves saying. He's being influenced. He's being influenced. He's being influenced by the world around him. Are you being influenced by the world around you? There's plenty of negativity to go around. There's plenty of doubt and resistance, and God isn't going to do anything. And the wicked say, God isn't going to do anything. And, and there's, let's, well, we'll get there. When we talk about the wicked, if you're struggling with me talking that way, would you please stay with me to the end of the study? When the wicked are doing that, the ones who are following God listen to it and allow it to overwhelm them. They start saying the same kind of thing. I'm just going, you may not be as affected by this as me, but I'm blown away by that. I think it's kind of important that we're looking at this, really important. Now, what is the psalmist's conclusion about God's righteous judgment? Oh, we'll get to that next week, let's pray. No, (laughs) First of all, in Psalm 11, three through six, he starts out with the questions, with a question. If the foundations are destroyed, What can the righteous do? Just stop there for a minute in your mind. It sounds to me like, and I've heard that, like, well, if the foundations, if people are tearing away the foundation of our nation, tearing away the foundation of godly truth in the Bible, what can the righteous do? Man, we might as well go eat worms. But that's not the whole story. It sounds like nothing. No, it doesn't say nothing. Look up. Verse 4 follows verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the ones who love violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. Well, this is heavy, it's the Old Testament, it is the story, but wait, we're not done. We get tested, we get proven that our faith is real, the impurities get burnt out of a believer, but a perpetually wicked person who hates God is just going to burn in their wickedness. Psalm 13, 5, and 6 says, and pours out his heart to God, and his conclusion, I have trusted in your mercy, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 14, 7, oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people, there was hope for the future, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad, and there's many, many more, even in these Psalms, but also two of the Uh, watershed psalms about this issue are psalm 37 do not fret because of the evil of the evil person uh, because you're going to see the end of that psalm 37 is a very famous chapter you can read ahead before we get there and what's really interesting three which just reverse the numbers 37 73 that way you remember them Until uh, I, I, I just couldn't believe all these bad things that were happening and how the wicked was getting away with so much. And he says, until I went into the house of God. But is there a place for this cry for righteous judgment? Absolutely, there is. It doesn't mean in the New Testament we just go, well, that's gone. Now, this is probably hard for people, but you you got to catch the whole story. Is there a place for crying out for God's righteous judgment? Yes. In Revelation 19, we're at the end of all the judgments, almost, almost all the judgments. The final things will come in chapter uh, 20. But in all the way up through 19, we have the great tribulation from chapter 6 through 19 and all these terrible things that have to happen. And in Revelation 19, John says, After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Do you realize how many, uh, even before the tribulation saints, who will be killed and beheaded for not taking the mark of the beast? This is what the Bible says. Do you realize that through history, and even in this last century, in our century, so many believers in God have died at the hands of persecutors. It is not going to be in the news, in the main headlines of the news, but it's documented. And there are people being persecuted for, they're not rioting in the streets, they're not trying to control the government, they're not doing anything but just wanting to worship peacefully and say, we believe and love Jesus, and they're being slaughtered in many places. That's why we pray, Lord, for our persecuted brethren. We try to do it every week. We don't always remember. Help us remember to do that. We are their brothers and sisters. And in Revelation 19, it it, it says that the elders, the heavenly elders are the ones that are also speaking this. True and righteous are your judgments. Everything you do is right. So God is going, you know, it isn't like it ended in the Old Testament. The book of Revelation and all of Paul and Peter's and James' writings pointed us to a time when this is the truth of the gospel. It's either the gospel is true or the gospel is nothing. Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth and he is the righteous judge and people who say, I hate God, I don't want you and will not listen to his voice will not get, allow the conviction of his spirit on their heart and say, no, we don't need you, we don't want you, we are not just men, we are super beings that don't need a God who created us, and spit in his face with it, not, not just are confused, but actually rebel to the nth degree, are going to face eternal judgment. I would tell a different story if I could but I don't have the right to lie about what the Bible says. And you don't either with your friends and family. You and I don't have the right to change the gospel to fit a family member's view that's changed so that you be close to them. Seek to be close to them every way you can. Do not change the gospel so that you can be okay with them. You're not helping them. You're sealing their coffin. Don't do it. It's happening. Friends of ours, well, my kid's going off this direction, and I'm going to find a way and listen to the teachers that go away, that are aberrant, Because love is love and God is love. And that's all there is. It's a lie. And it's destructive. And it's in many other ways before the whole sexual revolution. It's been happening through history in every possible way. But what are we to do with this? Am I to be like foaming at the mouth? Like, I can't wait till God judges the wicked. Well, here's what we do. Number one. We say true and righteous are your judgments. You are righteous, God. But number two, we also remember. Please tune in if you've been tuning out. We remember. we were who they are before Jesus showed us who he is we were who they are before Jesus showed us who he is. Two sections of verses that, and i got plenty of time, but I'm going to still make it short. I'm going to read the whole section, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6, or verse 2 through 6. This is talking to the believers, the saints, which means the tr- believers in Jesus in the, in the city of Ephesus. And it's written for the sake of all the region and then all mankind. And you, all the church, it's all to the church. And you has he made alive who were what? Dead in what? Trespasses and sins. Where were you? Dead in trespasses and, where was I? dead in trespasses and sins. We're not sitting on a high perch above everybody saying, look at me, we're better than you. And we can't even try to prove that we are better than others. Don't waste your time trying to prove that you're better. You're not. <laughs> you don't have to prove that to tell people the truth. let me do this, but for those who haven't, you need to hear this. This is about you. I say, you see what this is saying to you and me? I am so thankful that there's hope for me in Jesus. Don't you want the same hope? I was dead in trespasses. Maybe the way to witness to people said, do you know what I used to be, what I am without God? I'm as lost as lost can be. It's only the grace of Jesus that saved me. Maybe, maybe instead of, do you know what you're doing is wrong? <laughs> do you know God's mad at you? I'm not saying we can never tell somebody that, that there's something wrong. But 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 you get this. You has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. Who's that? Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh. Doesn't matter if you didn't do everything everybody's doing today. You were alienated from God and living in your own desires right? Judgment. Among whom we also conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature, what? Children of what? Children of, I just see guys do this, and I thought this might be fun. Apparently, it's not. (laughs) You don't want to participate. No, you did good children of wrath that sounds like everything that's being talked about the wicked in david's writings just as others but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ for by grace you've been saved we were who they are until jesus came and showed us who he is And not just Ephesians, Titus 3, 3 through 7. Same words, basically, but a little more. uh, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. If you're still living in those, then something needs to change. But this is what, where we used to be in our own hearts. And if you say, well, I'm really a good person, Jesus said, if you look on a person to lust after them sexually if they're not your mate, you've already committed adultery with them. If you call your brother a fool and hate him in your heart, you've already murdered him. Is there anybody who's innocent in this room? There's no rooms where any people gather where there's any innocent people on this level. Because our sin from the heart against God, our rebellion against him, is our very nature that is broken and fallen and separated from God. That's the death of the Spirit. We were born in death of the Spirit. We had to be made alive to God. You can be a very nice person, and nobody knows those inner thoughts of yours. And even you trick yourself. But it doesn't fix you before God, who's provided the only way to be set free. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. So this isn't a self-help group that you know, I figured out how to be a better person, and I just well, my name's Rick, and I don't, I'm not doing this towards um, recovery groups. I'm just I'm about self-help group generally. I, my name's Rick, and I'm a really good person because I really worked hard to make myself a really good person. That's just not biblical at all. Paul starts out in his ministry, I am the least of all the apostles. Eh, But I am an apostle, by the way. Then, I'm the least of all the saints. I'm not even as good as all these other believers around. Everywhere I go, you're just better than me. But I'm still a believer, I'm a saint. At the end of his life, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm, let's see, where am I on the list? Chief. He saw himself. Now, was Paul depressed, down on himself, hated himself, needed some pep talks and self-love talk? No. He understood that his sin was the greatest because he could see his sin. Clearly, the longer he went with God, the more he saw how much he needed God. If you've walked with the Lord for a long time and you've determined as you've grown in your life that you don't need God very much, you haven't been walking with the Lord. You've been walking with a religious attitude. But you haven't been walking with Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. But when the kindness, verse 4, and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us abundantly through Jesus Christ, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What a great gift we have. I won't develop that thought. You can see it there. You can ponder it. You can read it in an even more modern translation. We were who they are, until Jesus showed us who he is. Has he shown you who he is to you? Have you seen these things? I could talk for hours. I could yell and scream, foam at the mouth. I have no desire to do that. I already have a tendency to do it. (laughs) I don't have any desire to do it. It wouldn't do a bit of good. The Holy Spirit you and your heart and you could have been in this church for your whole life and you still haven't really come to jesus you haven't been broken of your pride and yourself and i'm really a pretty okay person and the reason god wants to break you he wants to break your heart is so he can heal your heart because a hard heart cannot be penetrated it needs to be broken so that God can then pour his love into it. That's what he wants to do with you. His kind, Has the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared to you? Well, let's look up to the cross right now today by sharing us why we have communion. We have communion often as much as we can We because we want to just embrace the Lord and our relationship with him. Bill didn't know that he was going to be singing with me. He didn't know he'd even be here this today, but... He's going to come up. He, he would have worn his really good shorts. He's worried about it. <laughs> but we're going to, um, we'll have the lights down. I'll pray in a minute. And you are free to come as soon as you want to. You'll know the words, but there they are. You're free to come up when you want to. I I, I am uh You know, anybody could say what I'm going to say right now. This isn't the Rick Cohen show. I know I've been up here all day. I can't help that. Anybody should be able to get up here and say what I'm going to say right now.